Hey, it's Tom Kradza, and listen, the reason I like talking to Ruben Furtado on this show is that this is somebody who is living life to win and not playing to lose. You know, he's not playing that defense. You know, whenever you watch sports and there's someone, one of your favorite teams gets a lead and then they go into like this defensive mode and they try to protect the lead and they end up losing. I always get frustrated at that. And in life, I feel like a lot of people are playing not to lose or not playing to win. He, Ruben has baffled me over the years when he's done real estate flips where I'm literally warning him on the side saying hey man hey dude be careful i don't want you to like lose your shirt on this thing and he go he he will double down wait till you hear him describe some of the projects he's worked on on this podcast where he will double down on what he's doing and still come out winning on these things so just a great guy good friend we met each other a long time ago we've been through a lot of stuff together so just nice to sit down and chat some real estate we kick off the talk talking about his mic i couldn't get his mic quite set up right and we talk about just some odds and ends so it takes us a few minutes to get started but if you're wondering what's going on i i hit record and it took us just a couple minutes to get set up there so you're hearing us just banter back and forth a little bit as we're going and i just decided to leave that in anyway if you are listening to this just so you know people like ruben Furtado are the type of people who are hanging out and attending the Your Life, Your Terms events that we put on. The next one is Saturday, February 2nd. So it's coming up in a few weeks. If you are listening to this and you are a Rockstar Inner Circle member and you have not registered yet, then you need to register. Contact out. We have hundreds of people registered for this thing. Reach out to the office and register. If you're not a Rockstar Inner Circle member and you want to learn more about this, you can go to this website. It's yourlifeyourtermsevent.com. That's yourlifeyourtermsevent.com. At this thing, we're going to be doing a brand new economic update. There's a ton of stuff going on in Canada and the global economy that's affecting us here. And we're always looking at this closely because the biggest thing that will dictate the future of the real estate market in Canada is a lot of it's going to be access to credit and interest rates. And we want to know what's going on in China. We want to know what's happening with Trump and Trudeau and the tariffs. We want to know what's going on with the GM plant in Oshawa. We want to know what's going on with China and Europe and how it all comes back and affects us here locally. So we're doing an economic update. We have a great guest speaker coming out describing how he started the Archangel Summit here in Toronto. We're giving a local market update. We are talking about, listen, there's two rock star members who are literally doing something incredible. They're severing off a piece of land from an existing property that they have and building on it. Like talking about, talk about being creative and making money from something you're already sitting on. They already had this lot. They're severing off a piece and they're building on it. We're talking about tax updates, how to, pa- how to also pass on your real estate from one generation to the next, which is a super complicated, not a very easy thing to do. We're bringing our accountant to break that down, break that specific thing down and a whole bunch of other stuff. So if you want to get all the updates of what we're going to be covering on February 2nd. It's at yourlifeyourtermsevent.com. And listen, this thing starts at 8.30. We jam it uh, packed until about 1.30. So that's the time frame. So uh, we open the doors at 7.30 a.m. Um, so there's some networking time, time to register, get your seat. And then we kind of go from 8.30 to 1.30 pretty hard. Um, we love doing this stuff. We get a kick out of it. I mean, putting them together sometimes gets a little stressful, I will admit. But in general, when we're there at the event, get to share everything and hang out with everyone. It's an absolute blast. So Saturday, February 2nd, that's the next one. Um, your Life, Your Terms event is where you can go check out the details, yourlifeyourtermsevent.com. With that, let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. 
Okay, we're 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 recording just so you know. But where are you pulling these stats from? I don't know. I just Googled it. Talk into the mic. Speak into the mic. Okay. That's how microphones work. You know, you speak okay. into the mic. I know, but it always No, don't. Bring it close to you here. That no, might... you can move it around. Okay. Good. Holy, I haven't had anyone set up the... Can you hear yourself? I can. Oh, can I you? had to turn down the headset a little bit. But where are you pulling these stats? Uh, I don't know. I Googled it. It says becoming so an minimalist. Oh, yeah. That's a big trend right now. But it has nothing to do with becoming a minimalist. This is the title of this is 17 Staggering Statistics About Our Shopping Habits. And you're telling me Americans spend more money on eating out than groceries. I can totally yeah. believe that, though. I can totally believe that. I, you're you know what? When I travel one. to the States, when, when we travel to the States, have you noticed what kind of good food you can get at different restaurants no. compared to here? Uh -huh. No, like there's amazing food options. I get it. But, oh, this one. Number nine. When asking about hobbies, girls of the ages 13 to 18 identify shopping as their favorite pastime. That's yeah, their like hobby. a hobby. Well, that's probably always been the case like that, no? Yeah, that's a hobby? Yeah. Shopping? I don't know why. This is the kind of stuff you look at. No. Can you speak into the mic? I'm going to have to jam this mic over there. Holy yeah. cow. Yeah, there we go. There we go. So like for everyone, for anyone listening to this, this is the relationship that we have. We basically, he yells at me and I yell back at him. You know, for... um. For, to prepare for this, I took a coffee bar. See this chocolate bar? I it's did. not even chocolate bar because yeah. I thought I better get some caffeine in myself because I'm going to have to carry this podcast. So I thought I should. And you're drinking a coffee, so you're doing the and same thing. And this is the toxic kind because this is like what we have in oh the Oh, my kitchen. God. Listen, for uh, you're drinking. <sighs> the coffee that you're <laughs> drinking right now. Listen, the coffee that you're drinking right now is 10 times better than the coffee that you were. You no, were, it isn't. No, it definitely is. You're, you're buying the stale coffee. I think I mentioned this already mm. before where someone. You know where this came from. Yeah, our kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, but our kitchen coffee is going to be better. Whatever you were telling us last time you drank, you said you drove, you buy stale beans no, on I sale. No, I didn't say from, stale. I said on sale. On sale beans, mm. on sale at Winners. Mm -hmm. By the time it gets to Winners, those beans have been around a long time. Mm -hmm. So these coffee beans are better. Trust me. <laughs> Listen, you know what I was just thinking before we sat down here? That Do you remember the time I was driving a Honda Civic and I think you already had some BMW convertible or something mm -hmm. when we were still both in the corporate world? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, hey, Ruben, I will drive for lunch. I remember this. And then, uh, you know, and, and you, I think you said something like, okay. And then you started, you saw what caught my, I had a, I was so proud of my car. It was a four-door Civic mm -hmm. stick with manual windows and mint condition. Black, right? Perfect condition. Yeah, perfect condition. Mm -hmm. Cloth interior. Mm -hmm. No upgrades. Um, and uh, you looked at the car. You're like, no, 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 it's okay. I'll, I'll drive. Do you remember that? I did. Why wouldn't you want to get in my Civic? I just like driving my car. Okay, so it's not that you didn't want to be seen in my Civic. That Civic, <laughs> that Civic was a, oh my gosh. Okay, listen, um, I'm going to ask you some real estate questions sure. in, a, in, a, in a second. But before I do, there's a UFC fight coming up tonight. Yes. You know there's a UFC. Dillashaw, right? Yeah, it is Dillashaw, right? Right, He's going down yep. to fight. I don't even know the guy's champion name because I think they're eliminating that that weight class or they're, yeah, they're, they're talking about it. Um, Who are you? Oh, I, I always terrible with names. Who, uh, who, yeah, I don't know his yeah, name yeah, either. Yeah. We can Google it up, but uh, are you picking? I guess TJ Dillashaw, you're picking? I don't know. They're saying he might not make weight. Because he's going to drop down. Yeah. I don't know. That so. guy seems pretty dis disciplined. I didn't think he was going to beat what's-his-face, the other guy, I know. Cody Garbrandt. Yeah, yeah. He beat him twice. I know. And he did it. We were at that one in the uh, Madison Square Gardens, remember? Yeah. The first that was time. the GSP card. Mm -hmm. yeah. That was a great card. 
So, um, yeah, so that's happening. And I just feel like there's a couple other UFC things happening. Like John Jones is going to fight again. I don't even know who he's fighting. So I don't, not, I don't, I don't even know who he's fighting either. Not, not excited to watch that one. I'm not excited either. The only thing I am excited to see is, you know who I want to see? I want to see Khabib fight GSP. That's that what I want to see. I want to see GSP come back and fight Khabib. Like yeah. I know they're talking about the Connor Khabib rematch, mm-hmm. but I want to see GSP Khabib. Those two guys, I just want to see them go at it. GSP still not over the hill. I mean, he's getting older, mm-hmm. but like it's got to happen pretty much this year. Otherwise, he's going to be too old. It's not going to be so good. Agreed. But they're talking about Khabib Connor rematch, um, which I don't even know if I'm. I, I would buy it actually. Now I that would, I say it, sure. I would buy it too. Yeah, for sure, yeah, yeah. I would. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, listen, um, I want to. I'm going to ask you some stuff about b- the higher end real estate stuff. How do you pick an opportunity? Like when you're working with a client, or you're looking at it for yourself, how are you? Like, what makes you look at the opportunity like something that you're interested in, or something that you would advise someone? Because we're dealing with several million dollars, and uh, how would you know, I'm not talking about, for those of you listening who don't know, I should explain, Ruben typically works with higher-end luxury real estate. We're not talking about a home that you might buy for four, five, six, seven hundred thousand. You might be talking about the land is going to be two million, and then you're going to spend two million or more to build on it. What makes you look at an opportunity and say, yeah, okay, I think that thing has potential? And the reason I'm asking is usually your track record has been freaky strong. Mm-hmm. Um, what makes you look at that? Well... First of all, I, I look at certain trends, right? I want to make sure that uh, it's still closer. Yeah. Wow, this thing's like... Well, no, because you turned your headphones down. Dude. And the headphones, not the mic. Yeah, no, I know. Okay. But if the headphones are turned down... Okay, go ahead. Okay. No, you're good. You're okay, good. we're good Okay, now? yeah, we're good. Much we're, better, huh? Yeah, no, we're good. Yes, okay. it is better, right? You know why? Because I just turned that up. <laughs> I didn't do that. Rather than having this mic like right up against my lips. I don't know what bacteria is on here. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, go, go. All right. So uh, first thing, we look at certain trends. We want to make sure that anything that we're doing, we're not forecasting a sale based on, oh, potentially this might go up. Like where we're starting now, it's a one-year project or two-year project, or let's say it's a long development project. We're not taking any natural appreciation we're looking at if today we can wave a magic wand buy this at this much whatever that price is let's say it's a million dollars for land or two million for land and we're going to spend a million or two million on a build that we know today that we could sell it for x and generally what we're looking at is on a three million dollar investment we want to be making at a minimum a million right on a four million dollar investment at a minimum 1.5 million because where does that number come from? It's just benchmarks that were set from other projects that we say, okay, we've traditionally done this, so let's that be the benchmark, and anything above that, above and beyond that, we're content with. So if in that area we see houses that are selling, again, let's just take that, so it's, we're all in at $4 million, but yet there's houses that are currently selling. In today's market, at $6 million, we know there's a $2 million margin. So that's pretty simple, right, when you do the math and look at that way. A lot of other folks, what they run into is they're like, okay, they just see houses selling in the area and they think I can build anything and everything's selling here. So I should be fine. And it's a great investment. Because It'll sell for similar price, similar price, but they don't know why it, the, the, that other one that sold, let's say again, whatever price it is at 6 million, they don't know why it sold at 6 million. That is probably more important to know the why than what it sold for. Yeah, got it. Okay, and I've seen you do that before, explaining why that particular house is selling for that price, 
and a different house that might just be around the block, around the block, literally around the block. Is it's making me think. You know, there's that house in Oakville. Do you know that one that's really modern built? It's a modern build or modern looking home, kind of. Um, in Oakville, it's been listed for some time, just south of Upper Middle, west of Trafalgar. Um, you know that area? I should have printed that one off. I, I totally want it. Next time you're here, I totally want your thoughts okay. on this on this particular modern home. But uh, I've seen you do that many times where you're like, okay, the reason this house is selling is for $6 million is because of this. Mm-hmm. Whereas the one around the block, we can't bank on the $6 million, um, because of X, Y, and Z, right? Correct. Um, so, okay, so that's what you're doing all the time. And then how are you able to... Um, how are you able to see those kind of opportunities? Because I've seen you do weird things where you'll take like irregular lot shapes. You know how like a lot of people mm-hmm. will just take a standard square or rectangular lot. Um, you'll take narrow lot. Like I've seen you take, it's weird. I've seen you take reverse pie lots, mm-hmm. reverse pie. Mm-hmm. Actually, I, that house, remember that? That was I, Rochester. That was Rochester. Mm-hmm. That house was on a reverse pie, yep. which most people don't want the front yard wider and bigger than the backyard. Mm-hmm. But you were able to take that house and you sold it for an ungodly premium in that particular. That was in a subdivision area in Oakville. You basically tore the house to the studs. Mm-hmm. Do you remember when everything was blowing in the wind and I the do, neighbors yeah. couldn't sleep at night? Because I think the 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 uh, the, the kind of like vapor barrier stuff yeah. was just smashing against the house. That, then the blown insulation in the attic actually escaped the attic and went into our neighbor's lawn. And it was during the snowing, so it kind of melted. And, and then they had dogs that were eating it. No. Yeah. Like so, that pink insulation mm-hmm. that you, the dog yeah. started eating it? Yeah. So you, yeah. what happened to the dogs? Uh, we quickly cleaned it up, right? I think. So you basically didn't tell the neighbors? No, the neighbor was the one that oh, let okay. us know. We were there like immediately cleaning it up. So we were really apologetic. Our neighbors were great. I think they were really excited to see this house. Because again, it was a seven-year-old house, perfectly fine. And nobody could understand why we were tearing it apart brick by brick. But to get to your point, you know, looking at a reverse pie people would shy away from that. They're like, no, the value's in the backyard, right? Because that's your living space. But what we did there is nobody had a three-car driveway, right? But because we had a reverse pie, we were able to widen our driveway. So we took something that was a negative asset, right? And we actually turned it into a positive asset. And because the backyard wasn't that big, we now can increase our budget on a cost per square foot of how we're going to finish it off. So we had like, you know, yeah, you um, did super high end. I remember the yeah. pool, the hot tub back there. Like you literally walked out of the kitchen and you were walking over these floating concrete pads that had like a waterfall feature with stones and lights in it and everything like that. And again, very modern um, with like different tiered areas. So, and then we had a lot of landscaping creating some privacy, which the other houses, they may have it a bigger backyard, a lot of wasted space, where here we define the spaces as a sitting area, as a patio area. And then basically the, what I would say, the recreational area, which was where the hot tub was. But right? sometimes are you just selling these ideas to yourself? Like, is a, is a three-car driveway really that big of a deal? Absolutely. Like, so this is I, what, I say that, and yeah. I, I know because Aiden's now starting to drive, yeah. and we just, we just got him um, Nick's wife's old car, which they were about to trade in for pretty much nothing. Okay. We bought it, so he's going to drive that. Do you know that? No. Oh, I think that just happened. Yeah, we just got it for him. He doesn't get his full G2 until uh, February, so a few weeks That's away. That's pretty cool. Um, so he's going to get that car. Um, it doesn't, it, yeah, it's a, it's, it's not, there's nothing wrong with the car, but I don't know if he envisioned quite that car as the car he yeah. would be driving, but he's, thr- he's obviously thrilled. Um, he's super pumped. And uh, yeah, 
we could use a three car garage, uh, three car driveway. That's why I'm hesitating. I'm like, geez, you know. And I'm gonna tell you like, nowadays. But does that really command a premium? It's, it's. I don't think it commands a premium, right? I think that on its own. But what we did is, if anybody was going to object to the side of the backyard, we can say, well, hey, in this, well, this is what we're offering in compensation for that. And by the way, the backyard. What else would you want back there? And the majority of the time, it's like I wouldn't change a thing. So it's no longer an objection, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because even though it's a reverse pie, you finished the backyard so nicely that mm-hmm. people, it had that wow factor. Mm-hmm. But what one thing watching you do all the different properties you've worked on over the years is I see you make some of these decisions in real time. Yes. Like, which kind of baffles my mind because hearing you talk about this particular Rochester property, this reverse pie, it's almost like you had this plan from the beginning. But what really freaks me out is that I've seen you go headfirst into projects where I'm concerned for you because mm-hmm. I'm like, Ruben, I don't think you're going to sell this house on this reverse pie in a subdivision and you're going to do a mall. You're going to tear it down basically to the studs, mm-hmm. the, the exterior mm-hmm. and the interior. Um, and then you're going to rebuild the house and you're going to sell this for some crazy premium. I don't think you're going to do it. And then you go and do it, which um, it kind of freaks me out. And then hearing you talk about it, you, you're like, yeah, well, I did this and this and this. But I see you in real time making those decisions. So is it just that you have confidence in yourself when you're going into these projects? You know what I'm talking yeah, about do, here, right? Because many times you're throwing a curveball and you'll turn it into a positive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so every decision along the way, like with that house, from the day that we bought that property, I already envisioned what it was going to look like. Um, I wasn't so much concerned about that property of what it was going to sell for because that was going to be what I thought was our forever home, right? So if I wasn't making money on that, I wasn't too concerned. Um, however, as I was making decisions, old Ruben clicked in, which was, hey, if I spend this, if I'm going to do whatever it is, am I going to sell it faster and for more money the day that I sell it, right? And keep in mind- Because you I'm, even turned it into a three-bedroom. I did. You turned it from a four-bedroom down to a three-bedroom. Three but I also knew that that would be a, that would hinder me in selling it later. So when I when I changed it to a three-bedroom, because I've made this massive uh, master bedroom ensuite with a uh, huge closet. The closet was like 30 feet long, both sides at the end of the closet, if you remember, it was like it was a TV. No, it behind was a glass. It was a That's mirror. Right. It was a yeah. floor-to-ceiling mirror with a TV behind it. These beautiful chandeliers with a really nice bench down the middle. Like the closet was like a showpiece. So that was what was originally the, the fourth bedroom. So even though for us we wanted the three-bedroom and the bigger closet, what I did is I had already pre-framed a door to that closet that was drywalled over and everything like that. And there was still a window, a register, like a, for the for heat supply and a return and all that stuff. So that I knew that eventually if I sold this house, I'm going to advertise it as a four bedroom. When people come through, they're going to like, hey, it's not a four bedroom, it's a three bedroom. I'm like, no, no, no. At this price point, here's the floor plan. I'm converting it back to a four bedroom for you. So the reason that was important is when somebody's setting up a search criteria and they're looking to spend $2 million, their expectation based on value is I want this big a house in this area. It's got to be four bedrooms, two car garage. And I wanted to make sure that this house hit the radar. But if it didn't show up as a four bedroom on the listing, no one would ever see it, right? Or very few people would see it that way. So the funny thing is the guy who bought it, I asked him, do you want me to convert it to a four bedroom? He said, absolutely not. So I was already, I'm always anticipating what the objection is mm-hmm. and making sure that I already have a solution for that, right? It's funny because I think in life, a lot of people don't play to win. 
Like I think a lot of people play defensive life. Like what they do is they try to spend the least amount of money possible. They always try to see if they're getting ripped off. They spend so much time figuring out how the world is screwing them Mm -hmm. that they don't leave enough freedom or space in their mind or in their lives to take action and win, right? And I always believe that, like if you look at Conor McGregor Mm -hmm. in the UFC, and I swear I'm tying this back to real estate, Mm -hmm. but if you look at uh, Conor McGregor in in the UFC, um, he played to win. He just said, Bring on whoever oh, you're yeah. gonna, Dana. Whoever you want me to fight, I'll fight. Somebody drops out of the fight, I don't care. Replace mm-hmm. them with whoever you want. When he fought Nate Diaz, Nate Diaz was like two weight, one weight class. That depends where Connor was at that time. But let's mm-hmm. say one or two weight classes higher than him. I don't care. I'm gonna fight him. Loses and shakes it off. Comes back, does a rematch, and wins. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just feel like he plays to win. When you look at a lot of these UFC fighters right now, they're always like kind of trying to protect their legacy. They're trying to protect their record, right? Choose who they fight. They don't want to fight certain people. And it makes us fans kind of kind of bored with them and they make less money. Whereas Connor kind of just went for it. He played to win. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I, it, literally a light bulb just went off as you're saying it. I think as I was making those decisions that I'm gonna spend like, like I'll give an example, like one of my very first builds, my budget was 1.1 million. We brought this, we talked about it a number of times, even on the last podcast. I ended up spending 2.2 million to build. I know, I remember. Okay, so if anybody's <laughs> hearing you, you doubled your budget. So, and were you worried? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was certainly, obviously, I was aware of what was going on. But I, the reason why it was so easy for me to make those decisions, it's not because I had the money to blow. Yeah, right, because this like I literally put everything that we I remember, had, right, I remember. into this house, and it could have gone. But the reason, the way I was looking at it, is I'm like, what is worst case? If I if I do all these things, and I really believe this is the right decision. If I spend this much money, I'm going to sell it this much for this much more, this fast, this much faster, right? Or you know what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say? That what is the worst case if I'm wrong? The worst case if I'm wrong, based on my initial analogy, which is what I'm buying it for, what I intend to sell for it, because the margins were so high, worst case is I would break even. So what did I but have to But weren't you scared? So on that particular one, I was scared for you because you were already setting a price. Like I remember on that price, I think at first you were going to try and sell it for like $3 million. Yeah. And I remember thinking, okay, Ruben, uh, be careful. Like that's high-end real estate. You know, the market can change. Be you be careful. I was worried for you. Mm-hmm. You just went in, did it. And then when the, your budget doubled, you weren't going to make any money at $3 million. You're probably going to lose money at $3 million. So I guess where the fear from someone from the outside comes is like, like, holy shit, dude, I think you're pushing up against the the, the, the high end here. So to add an extra million dollars onto your build <laughs> isn't just playing to win. It's a little bit crazy. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? I do. And again, just to again, just to correct you on the numbers. When I originally bought the lot thought of building, the original budget was to sell was around the two, 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 four. Okay. Right? Okay. And then as we started That's spending right. more money, yep. then I said, Okay, I'm gonna get three. And then I continue to spend more money and I'm like and I really believe the four or five was the right number. And I knew this is what's crazy too, and we're getting a little off topic, but I knew that anybody that if I even listed this thing at four or five, everybody would look at me and like, what the hell are you on? Like the most expensive house in this area that's similar size is two two. And you're at, and that's a brand new house, right? You're almost Custom. doubling. You're almost and doubling. And you're asking four or five. So if I already knew they were going to call me crazy. Do you remember when some people told you to your face, I'm never bringing any of my clients yeah, by because I, I will never associate my name with this? Yes, I do. Yeah. Uh, so either way, here's what, so I already knew that people were going to call me crazy. And I also looked at the trend and these like properties that were in that price point, there was a huge delta between the list price and the sale price. So people still want to have a bit of a deal. 
So if they're gonna call me crazy, I, instead of again listing it at the four five, I ended up listing it. It was like five two. And is that had, what you originally listed it yeah, for? It was five point two nine. So think how crazy, like, for, like. Even three million people would have said what is over. But see, that's the kind of situation you walked into that one. So now I know we're talking about a different property, but you walked into that one and you were going to list it at one price, and you list it ma at some magical number that's way higher. But to yourself, you're selling yourself. So sometimes when I see you do this, I don't know if you're just selling yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, which is interesting to me. I'm yeah. like, is Ruben like, is he selling himself that this is going to be okay as a self defense mechanism, yeah. or is he like? Really, because I know you're very good analytically. When you look at real estate, there's no one, you know, there's no, there's no one really. I've seen it do it the way you yeah. do it. You'll crunch the numbers. You'll look at. You know every house in mm -hmm. the area. You'll know every house in Ontario mm -hmm. that you're competing against. So then, part of me is like, I don't know if he's just doing that to keep himself sane, or does he really have the data to back up these decisions? So I would get the data to keep myself sane, right? And. Um, yeah, absolutely. As I'm as I'm making these decisions, it wasn't coming out of thick air. Like again, coming up with a price point, I would look at it. I and think I'm it's like, out of thin air. No, so I said thin air. Yeah. You're right. No, but, but you could say thick air. No, I don't. No, say I, th thin I air. thought you were just trying to comment on your thick in here. You know what? I think you were trying to comment on your hair versus my hair. I thought you were trying to say like your thick hair and my thin hair. But no, that's fine. It's okay. So. Um, yeah, now I'm like completely lost what I was saying. <laughs> yeah, but, me too. But you know, you were going to go, you uh, you originally got the data to justify the price. Mm -hmm. And then you use that data, I guess, to feel comfortable with listing it at the higher price. Yeah. So again, and then when we were about to list, this goes with any property. It's not just the ones that we work on. Any house that we're going to list, even if the, we think the price is going to, uh, that it ha that precedent has not been set. The first question is, is that today, if we were to list it at this desirable price, desirable for the seller what is our competition right and i had no competition right at that price point that i was listed there was nothing because you moved into a price category where there was like no one playing but even below me it could have been stuff that's two million no one was going to offer something that was basically south of lakeshore that was a hot on a hundred foot lot i created all this criteria that literally mitigated all my competition the fact that i went with a four-car garage right so I literally set it up so that I could not lose. I'm like, okay, you tell me where there's a house that's going to be close to 6,000 square feet above grade that has like a multi-level home theater. It wasn't like a simple two-level. It was like a three-level home theater. With a secret passageway. With a secret passageway. That was your idea, right? Which people love. Um, so that all played into the strategy. And when we said, okay, who has that? The next closest house was $6 million. Yeah, it was going to be in the bridal path in Toronto or something. But that was, you had either you buy mine at four or five or you buy the other one at six million. And that's what we try to set ourselves up to do, right? But the biggest game changer in all of that, I still think, is that how do you get somebody to buy that? So yeah, logically it all makes sense for them, but how do you get them to do it? And I really think in a, pretty much across, the majority of purchases that people make, they buy on emotion, right? And that's what we did. Like, it wasn't even about the house. It's what that person felt when they went in the house. Right? And how do you think you built that? Just, is that something you did with the house? Or you just think the design of the house itself? No. Okay, no, so what did not, you do? The design played like a factor. Like what I mean, you're playing music and baking cookies? It's everything. It is. So when you were showing that house, 
I, I remember the home theater, actually, the front doors left and right. Didn't you have the, at that time, it would have been plasma TVs or whatever, turned up on their ends? So, so if, like, the Leafs were playing the Bruins or whatever, you could put the Toronto Maple Leaf logo on the left. Yeah, you're the referring Bruins. to the entrance to the theater. To the home theater. So it was kind remember? of like an old-school theater entrance with exactly. rounded glass. Had, yeah. yeah, so it had, so it had like, two steps leading up to these massive double doors with these basically large handles that you would pull in, and then you basically had behind glass you had those two monitors that were movie posters. So whatever movie was playing inside or whether it was going to be a UFC fight in that card, you'd have the posters on the outside and you would walk in. And there was three levels and you had obviously the neon lights. So that created... Do you remember how much AV equipment you had in that house? I do. I do. Now you could do that for a fraction of the cost based okay, on what Could you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? So And then so for the showings, how long did it take you to set it, set it up? Because so, you're trying to create the emotion. Uh, yeah, so through. I'll give you, an, again, a really good point. And I'm like, every house is different. But I'm going to tell you, number one, we would spend just per showing, like when there was a showing, we would spend $300 prepping for that showing. Right. And it's crazy because I go through all these houses, whether it be, you know, a normal house, right, a normal, uh, I don't want to say normal house, but let's just say a high end luxury home that is going to be in around two million to three million. We'll get to the house. Right. And first thing they may maybe, you know, there's still garbage bins outside or something like that or the grass is not cut. Like it was literally every little thing that you could possibly think of. So where that three hundred dollars where I spent during the showing. I'd literally have the day of, like just that morning, have the grass freshly cut with the lines on a 45 degree angle across the entire lawn, right? All my windows, right, that were, if there was any window that was slightly dirty, I have the guys come clean the windows on the outside. I want my windows spotless because, again, it was a modern house with a lot of glass. And then we would have, because of the automation system with the audio and everything like that, we had an audio distribution. So we'd be playing music through the entire house. All the TVs, would be running like this very high-end quality video of the house featuring all the little nuances and architectural features and everything like that. So as you're going from room to room, you're seeing that video. But probably the most important thing was that during the showing, and whether that, that was my house, but it didn't matter, even if it's one of our listings, is that there's somebody there personally greeting the person, right? And giving him a bit of an introduction and making sure that there's one or two things that get anchored in their mind that they're like, oh my God, if they did this, I can imagine all the other things that I'm not noticing. And I actually... So you would drop a detail of some sort? Yeah. And by the way, I'm not going to take credit for that. Actually, I got to give you thanks for that because you introduced me to that book, which was Build It Big, Make It Big. Oh, yeah. By Frank McKinney. Frank McKinney's book? Yeah. And if you remember, there was one thing in there that he said that he actually would, in his houses, which were extravagant, he would actually put a toothbrush, an 18... Uh, 18 karat gold? gold. Yeah, toothbrush. That's right, I forgot about that. Right? Yeah. So that when they would see that, that would create an anchor. I'm like, if they've done that, gone to that detail, what other details am I missing? And it just literally sends kind of a theme throughout the entire house. And that's what we would do. So when they're coming in, we would just pick one or two things, right? And that we would anchor them in terms of value and also in terms of like a feature slash benefit, like a lifestyle thing. Because one, we have to sell them on the value because if they can't get over their value, they're, they're already shut down. They're like, this house is overpriced. I don't care how much I love it. I'm just not buying it. But if you can say, hey, the, see that house that sold for $2.2 million, like just across the street? Well, their window budget was like 80. My window budget was 240, right? 
So now value is like, they're like, okay, there's twice the cost. I don't have to tell them all the numbers, but okay, just so that you're trying to change it for, so that it can't be an apples to apples comparison. You're trying to say, Hey, this is just a, such a different quality of house. And the little emotional pieces are really changing their experience during the, the viewing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, and like I said, it was, and it was offering things that other houses didn't offer. Like we had like a library, that cabana was uh, so that weird. was cool. Yeah, yeah. So and like I said, I'm I'm just maybe I'm talking too much about that specific house, but these these are just examples, and because I heard this from you, and I know you probably read it somewhere with all the books that you read, is that you got to remember when somebody's looking at these houses, right? They're looking at a lot of them, especially now when the market's softer. They're taking their time to look at more properties, and what you want them to do is to remember yours, and you shared me shared with me that. What people remember is at that time when they're going through that, right? That that specific moment, they feel something, right? And what we're trying to do is get them to feel something when they're in that house, right? So, so do you do that even? I guess you're doing that even with clients when it's not your house. You're, that's something you do. Absolutely. It's. I mean, nobody will ever appreciate. Like the, no, the, I've seen, dude. I've seen oh, you go and no I've seen you go before showing at a house that's not yours when they had a pool and skim out leaves on the pool, so there's not a single leaf on the pool. I know, I know, just I know, recently, I know. Like and, the, and this is not. This was like a two million dollar listing, just under two million. But I'm. I Did get, you call me buddy? Yes. Oh, okay. You don't like buddy? I don't know. That, that's you a weird brother. No, it's good. No, it's good. <laughs> it's good. Keep going. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So, literally getting to the house. And I know this sounds so, but it little, it's running it through it as quickly as possible. Any like pet toys, hiding them, toilet seats down, buffing, like I literally get toilet paper and I'm buffing the, the faucets so that there isn't any watermarks on it. Taking the toilet paper and actually creating the little folds that you would see like in a, in a hotel. Um, and l l just thinking of everything. Watch, I'll even, so, like one of the listings that we have is on a busier feeder street and there's a bit of traffic. I'm so conscious You're of You're making it. an obstacle on the street so that there's less traffic? No, no. I wish I could do that. <laughs> Shut down the street. No. But what I do is when I'm there, as soon as I see the people pull up into the driveway, I don't want them standing in the driveway. So I'm literally opening up the front door and saying, hey, guys, how you doing? I'm already kind of literally greeting them and bringing them inside so they're not sitting outside and hearing cars go by, right? And if... Let's say the house is backing on to an area that's close to a busy area. I'm literally going out and buying a Bose, like or it could be any speaker, but we have a Bose Bluetooth speaker. Then I'm playing music in the background to drown out the noise, right? And even if a window's open, depending on the direction that the window's open, that might amplify sound coming in from outside. Like it is nuts. All these little details running around. Have you always been like, and I know that people who work with you aren't even fully Maybe I'm sure they're appreciating it. They don't even know to the extent no. of your analness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna go on the property, but uh, you've always been like that. Yeah, I have. Yeah. And, and I think is that come I'm, from you, coming from your days of selling furniture? I think it comes from that, and it's like I don't I have this thing. I always say to my kids is like, when you do your work, do your best work, right? And um, so that's that's part of it. And then the other thing too is again because we had bought and sold so much for ourselves that literally every showing was a production if i looked at it that way it's a production i remember going to your house right? when you guys were living yeah, in yeah. those houses selling those houses mm -hmm. it was like you were your house was was like a model home mm -hmm. it was perfect mm -hmm. but um how, where does that mentality come from 
that on I just want to go back to that point of you know the reverse pie house and this the second one that we were talking about there where does that mentality come from that you're feeling confident enough to spend more money because most people are looking to cap their budget not to double their budget where is that mentality coming from yeah so perfect if I know that there's going to be an objection. Because you must struggle with that when working with some people. Because I know you you basically consult with people doing builds. 100%. How, yeah, so go yeah. on. So a great example is, let's take that house that was on the busier street, right? So again, I would have probably not suggested they buy there and build with the intentions of selling on that street. But it's too late. So now that they've done it, and now they're getting worried, hey, maybe I did it on the wrong street. This is where now they start tightening up they're totally the yeah the panic right? sets in yeah, and the now, panic they're, sets now in. they're playing not to lose not to lose exactly and i'm like no guys this is where we now have to amp up our game because we know there's going to be an objection so we have to execute flawlessly we got to offer something else that somebody else doesn't have to make up for what we don't have right so here this basement wasn't finished and i'm like we this we need to finish this basement because we already have a strike against us. But right? they're already thinking I don't want to I don't I don't want to risk it. I don't want to spend any more money. I don't want to lose money. I'm not going to finish the exactly. basement. Exactly. Or they're like I and I it's they're all, I'm like done with this place. I've I've been here. Mm -hmm. It would it was it didn't go as planned. So sometimes it's not even a money thing. It's just like I don't want to I don't even want to come here anymore. I just want to get rid of it for me. And it's so sad because literally there's still potential, right? But they're making it that much more difficult for them to actually at least, you know, try to take a bad situation to make the best out of it, right? And then so where do you, I, I just want to get to this point, where, why are you confident with that approach of spending more money? Because that's not the natural way to go about things. And, and I've seen, just because I've seen you do it, where, why? Because... Uh, I'm still looking at what is selling. If there was nothing selling or there was a house. Okay, so you're pulling the data so you feel comfortable. Oh, exactly. It's always based on okay. data. Like, for example, that same house. If I saw, hey, you know, there's other houses that have finished basements, have a pool or and uh, similar things, and they're still selling at this price, then I would tell them, don't spend any more money. But if I'm looking at other properties, I'm like, we need to outdo that property in order to achieve what they did. And there's still margins to be made in this one. But... Again, the mentality is people are literally at that point, they literally start pulling back and they start getting scared and not wanting to spend. Where, where are some of the opportunities now, do you think, in the higher end market? I mean, I know some stuff has slowed ever since mortgage changes mm -hmm. of last year. Obviously, some stuff has slowed down, but there's always a little niche opportunity that I know you're looking at. Where, What's the opportunity now for people yeah. who are playing in that higher end in space? In the higher end yeah. space? When you're in the higher end space, in my opinion, there's less risk there. There is, right? Because the margins are so big that if you needed to liquidate the home, you could do a significant drop and it's gone. Where in, let's say, I would say, and the way I would best describe it is uh, upper middle class, right? So upper middle class to me is anything from like 1.5 in this market, right? Um, it depends the area that you're in, but upper middle class, then generally it's going to be a fully detached house and it's going to be from like 1.5 million all the way up around to 2.5, just shy of 3 million, right? That market is actually the one that I've seen right now that's softened the most, right? People are kind of just settling because they're the ones that will feel it the most that if the market, you know, takes a bit of a, um, a bit of a dip, right? They get really concerned or job secure, whatever it is. But when you see something at 10 million, 8 million, 6 million, 
they don't feel this if if, if yeah, it's a house, different level of exactly, money at that point. Exactly. So and a, I, a little economic swing here or there is not affecting that no, kind of money. No, it's so not. So you're thinking the big opportunities in the super high end. In the super high end, yeah. So um, and, and in Canada in the Toronto area, people are still buying in that category. They are. They are. So the only thing is, is then stats come out. Like, I think they just reported the December numbers and areas that are getting... Yeah, but that headline, I saw that same headline. But the reason those headlines in the media bother me so much Mm -hmm. is that December number... Uh, So there was a headline in the, I forget, pretty much all media last week saying December year over year uh, is down. But first of all, it's sales activity that's Mm -hmm. down. It wasn't, they weren't even addressing prices. Mm -hmm. It was basically sales activities Mm -hmm. down. And I know, do you know why sales activity is down? You know, I know you Mm -hmm. know. Sales activity is down is because last December was fire for the real estate market because the mortgage changes were going to come in in January. This is why I hate the media. I know. And and and, and they don't say that. And so everybody and their mom tried to buy a property before the end of last year. Mm-hmm. It made the December numbers in real estate really much higher than uh, usual. Mm-hmm. So then when the year-over-year comparisons come, like it did this December, which actually this December wasn't that bad, by the way, mm-hmm. but this December was still less than last December. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden, it's like the numbers are down. Yeah. And everyone's like, the sky is falling. And I'm like, you do such a disservice to everyone when you don't paint the whole story. But it does make a good headline. Yeah. And it does make a good fear-based headline. Yeah. So you're right. I, I didn't know, sorry. I didn't know if you were going somewhere with, with that. Um, but I know the December numbers came out and it does bug me when I see those headlines. Yeah. So, and again, it's not saying what category. Like, yeah, it's just talking about like an average, yeah, it, what it, price it's sales in general. Like I would love uh, to see like last December, right? And let's say within the GTA, how many houses sold over three million versus this De- this December, right? Or or because you think it would probably be the same, based on what I saw happening. Like, yeah, I think it's going to be very close to the same. I didn't do that particular exercise. Normally, I'm looking year over year. Um, Who's but, buying over three million? The, are you still seeing Canadian? Like, I know there's going to be some pretty well-off people buying over three million dollar properties. Are you still seeing any foreign money come in? Um, we are. I, I still see some of that. Uh, there, like, there isn't a like a particular avatar that I see. I'm always shocked and surprised. Right. Um, I will say that the majority of showings that are happening right now um, are foreign buyers, but right now they're looking for deals, right? And we're seeing them throw out some like crazy lowball offers. Um, and the sad thing is, is because of the lack of activity, my concern is that there's gonna be one or two people that may, may be misguided by their real estate agent that accept that lowball offer that sets a new precedent. Mm-hmm. So there's always everybody. that possibility. And then, then you might see prices Which I haven't down. really seen too and much I, of prices coming down. I've seen maybe, yeah. uh, it's a little bit of a standoff yeah. right now between buyers and sellers, right? Uh, that's how it, it feels it's, to it's, me. It has still happened. Like, I mean, you look at that property in South, um, in, in Joshua Creek, a couple, yeah, near, okay. near a friend of yours, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, that property would have easily sold at any given time 2.4 million. And it had sold for 1,850,000. Oh, that's right. Yeah, oh my gosh. Right? That's an yeah, example. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Of someone getting yeah, just, questionable advice and yeah, dropping yeah, the price. Exactly. Um, right. When you're, you know, with these properties you're dealing with, often you're doing a full, you'll buy a property, do a full reno on it, mm-hmm. sometimes yourself or working with a client. How are you picking contractors? 
like I know you have relationships now, but for so, someone, I mean, we all have our contracting experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's obviously some great contractors. There's obviously some not so great contractors. What are you looking for when you pick a contractor? Is it just purely referral based from your network now? Or is it if someone doesn't have that, what questions are, are they looking at? So before they used to be pretty much all my contacts from like previous builds. Like I worked with a builder and I would leverage his trades that he had and everything like that. But what's happened, working with a lot of different clients and doing it, they also had some relationships because this might have not been their first rental or first build. So we kind of survey and have discussions about who they liked, how do they compare to the people that we used. So literally a lot of these contacts just become through this circle of um, like this network of people and clients, right, that we then start sharing with one another. So that and so it is through referrals, but it's through not just a general referral, somebody that we're actually working with on another project. So that, that, and again, what we're looking for with, when it comes to trades, really number one is that the quality of work, it, it doesn't have to be the best, right? It has to be um, at par. It has to be good. Like Really? Average. I thought you were going to say the, I thought you were going to say the quality of work has to be like 10 out of 10. If it's like a, a, the fine finishing details and stuff like that, like for example. Because in when your properties, it seems like every detail, is. I mean, you're lining up. Remember that one property? Oh, it was a reverse pie lot. Yeah. Remember the hardwood flooring going underneath the glass yep. on your rail, on your yep. staircase? And you were like, you didn't even have any posts in the hardwood. Yep. Do you know what I'm talking I about? Do. Like but these are the you. little details so, that you're looking at. And I'm going to say anybody who does hardwood and does a decent job could do that. They won't know how to do it. So luckily, because we've did it, we can give them instructions. That's why we don't need always the best trade. We can kind of give them advice on how to do certain things. Um, But what's important is that they're cost effective because a lot of these are investments. And number two, that they're reliable, right? I will sacrifice, you know, it being a nine, like instead of a 10, it's a nine, right? Because I'm going to tell you, when you are doing your hardwood floors, if it is a if you're expecting a 10 and you get a nine, you will notice it because you did your hardwood floors. But if you walk into a house, right? And le- and I'm going to preface this by saying, you did not just finish doing your house and doing your floors because now your focus and your context is like, I got to check out these floors, see how they did it. You haven't done floors in the last 10 years, okay? In your place. Now you're going into a house and the floors are a nine, not a 10. You won't notice. You'll walk out of that house and you're going st- to, what you're going to remember is what was different about it what you felt, right? You won't remember, oh my God, that floor, I just remember it wasn't like 100%. There was a little bump here. You won't remember that. Yeah, I got it. Okay. Um, Don't get me wrong. Quality is, like I said, I'm not, I don't want people to think they're going to walk into these houses and not see quality. It just, it doesn't, People are you get obsessed wa- with perfection? Are, That's are not you, important. But are you going to some contractors that you don't know and looking at their previous work? Is Absolutely. that something you'll do? Absolutely. 100%. Yeah, okay. we'll look so you're going to like a past project. You're going there physically looking yeah. at their past projects. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of them we've already used, right? So... Um, yeah, that's part of it. Okay. But another, another, uh, house that I thought was maybe, um, tricky to sell. Remember that one on the, on the, I think there was a court and it back, back on Southeast Oakville, maybe how did you get, didn't you have to redo the zoning to get that one built? It was a longer build, kind of a, like a, not that deep backing onto ravine school oh, in the yes. background the, the, yep. some of the challenges yep. were that one were the fr- that was again another lot situation <laughs> yeah. right yeah where so you had to re didn't you didn't, and yeah, I, so I, I didn't rezone it so you're yeah you're right it was southeast it was around a three thousand square foot brand new built ground up that's right yeah we had the issue there was and and i st- people looked at it. it was being offered for sale and no one saw an opportunity 
They didn't. And then even after we bought it, when I say we, so I uh, was a client, I represented a client. I said, I still think there's a huge opportunity here. I think we bought well, it for... Why did you think there was a huge opportunity on something that everyone else was dismissing? Because I didn't have the same opinion as everybody else. In Southeast Oakville, right? Um, and again, this applies to what people were buying, right? And the way they perceived value was location. L- lot, yeah. Mass. When I say mass, big lot big house right that's like the because the lots in southeast oakville were like significantly yeah, older style lots older style they're so they're at a minimum they were like 100 Huge, feet wide yeah. 150 feet deep so that's why people are going there just to buy those big lots to build the big houses right and those are the houses that would sell over three million so when they looked at this lot because of conservation and the footprint at best they're going to probably build three thousand square feet and really no backyard because it backed on conservation. So the back of the house literally just... There was a, that ravine. It was nice. I know, but... But, but you're right. It was it was shallow. It right? was yeah. shallow. Yeah. No, the lot was deep, but it was unusable That's right. because it yeah, was yeah. a massive Sorry, the usable deep. space was yeah. shallow. Yeah, yeah. Right? So, so it got to the point where we looked at it. We then even came up with a design. Worked with it. Like, literally d- did the architectural drawings and everything like that. And then at that point, because it took so long with conservation that my client was thinking, hey, listen, this is taking a lot longer. You know what? I probably second guessing whether this is the right thing for me and I want out. So I offered to buy them out. I'm like, listen, if you, I don't want you to, I would never put you in something that I wouldn't do myself. So I'd love to build it for myself. He didn't want to sell it to me though, right? So, so he was nervous, but he didn't want to sell it. He wouldn't want to sell it. He goes, no, because if you do it, then you're going to probably make 500000 <laughs> I'm like, but if you want out, I'll just tell me what you have in it, right? And I'll pay you everything you have in, and I'll also give you one hundred fifty thousand for the time that you kind of went through this process. And remember, he did very little because yeah. I was the yeah. one. That's that was, where you're crazy again, and that's where right? I say you play to win. Yeah, you know, you're going for it at that point because I I believed in the opportunity so much. But he's like, no, 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 I, let's just sell it to somebody else because I, I, I it would bother him <laughs> that if I did and he saw money. me do it. So if somebody else did, so I'm like, okay. So here's what the funny thing is: I put it on the market. This is crazy. We put it on the market with the drawings and everything ready to go. So now, but somebody. Can oh, so nothing's not even. It's not even built. It's not built. Okay. Right. What's but there? The, the vision house, now. Is there an old house on the lot? There's an old house okay. on the lot, but the vision is there because we have the drawings and it's showing where it, the house is going to fit, and we were offering it for 1.2 million. This is what's crazy, right? And that so the build out cost of this house was no more than a million, no more than a million because it was a 3,000 square foot home. So if anybody looked at it. If they believed what I believed, they were like, okay, I'm buying it one, two, I'm spending a million, and the house in this area, which I believed was worth around 2.8 million, just shy of 3 million. So it's a no brainer. There's $600,000, right? And it's ready to, it's teed up because we're already in the permit process and everything like that. And everybody's like, even with the out there, like plans, they're like, I don't see it. I don't see it. You're not going to get it. You're not going to get Because there was no, and the reason they didn't see it, there was no easy comparable, I guess. Right, right. That, that that was one, right? Because, but in my mind, I could visualize this house finished. So they were trying to compare it to something that didn't even exist, mm-hmm. right? But I was like, no, you tell me where you're gonna buy a brand new house, right? High end luxury home. It didn't even have to be modern. I said anything that's gonna have a three. Because what we did is we did the suspended lift, which was really cool. The lift came from the ceiling in the garage, 
Right? Oh, for the car. For the car. Yeah, and it was so we had a three-car car garage. So no, yeah. we had a three-car garage. Yeah, and like, it wasn't one of those lifts that has the post no on the post. side. No post. It was a it, suspended it, lift. And then I what forgot we did, you were going to do I that. Remember, that I, was one of the things that you were trying to do on the house to really make it stand out. Yeah, right? and then after when we actually showed the house with the, on the videos and everything like that, we had like a Range Rover in the, there at the time. We actually so called, it could fit a full SUV in the suspended lift. So the, the the SUV was on the one side, and what we did is we called Porsche. And you're and Porsche. Porsche. No, so so I brought my vehicle, which was uh, one Porsche. And we've got another beautiful. Um, it was a. You're allowed to tell GT. people you drive a Porsche. It's it was okay. another. Uh, it's uh, not a Honda Civic. You didn't like my Honda Civic. It's fine. <laughs> but either way, and the, so now we have like two Porsches in the garage plus the Range Rover, and we're showing the video of like it uh, how it operated. And it was only within a few seconds. We didn't focus on that entirely but it's part of that video and then we did like the same thing in that the goes back. exactly to one of those what we were talking about earlier the emotional exactly. component of buying because nobody people had felt emotional it, about that but here's the thing is if because the house was smaller a lot of people are like i don't need that extra girl like that extra parking space do you know what that parking space provided storage think of an entire single garage sure bringing it down putting stuff up there easily and then just Bringing it back up. See, but I hear that, and I'm like, ah, oh, I don't. I'm not going to spend three million dollars so I have a little bit of extra storage but, in my garage. But if somebody used that as an, well, it is when there was no because the, again, three thousand square feet, the basement was fully finished. There was no extra really space in the basement. But either way, I'm going to end off by saying that house. We then the client just okay, listen, I'm doing it. I think he spent like eight hundred. He told me he spent like eight fifty on on the build because he kept track of the numbers. So he bought it for around the nine fifty mark. So he was all in like one point seven million. We sold it for two point eight, cool. right? And nobody, yeah, no one nobody saw the took advantage of it. I yeah. was like, that anything is else not... that you did in that house to make it stand out? I'm curious. Yeah. The lift. What else did you do? Absolutely. Like, what's current right now on luxury stuff? So uh, that house, we had automation, spa, so had, like a spa thing, sauna. So we had a steam shower downstairs. So we, um, again, there's a, w- one thing we try to hit as a minimum. We we know our buyers. We know that number one that they're likely going to have a teenager. So the bedroom in the basement is probably more important. Outside of the master bedroom, the bedroom in the basement is probably one of the most important Because it could bedroom. be an in-law suite. It could be for a nanny. It could be for a teenager. Exactly. So when you're thinking of all those different things, you want to think of, again, lifestyle. So we want to make sure that they have their own private washroom. Separate entrance to that basement too or no? No. Okay. So we don't need a separate entrance. Okay. This is not old school. Like uh, These people live together, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, But that, that bedroom has to have a, a, a nice window, right? It has to have a really nice washroom, accessible from the bedroom, a nice closet, and then we always dress it up with really nice furniture and we put a TV, a really nice, whatever latest technology, smart TV, we put it in there. And people like that. So you got to think about it. Think of you personally you know, and no. your son, Aiden. Yeah, You're looking yeah, yeah. for a house. Which room do you think he would take? You know, got it. He would take, he would want that yeah, one. Yeah, and he, which, so after he goes and looks at all these houses, yeah, right? Yeah, I just didn't know if that was like a selling feature. It's a huge selling feature. Yeah, okay. Absolutely. So, okay. So yeah. lift, that kind of attractive bedroom space. Any other stuff going on? Yeah, there on right was. Now? So the automation system. So we had control four there for everything Got from it. lighting. So that played a factor into it. Again, these were the things that instead of me spending $500,000 more in a lot, $500,000 more in a build, we spent between the lift, the automation, um, you know, the steam shower, um, and a couple other things like that. We probably collectively spent maybe thirty, forty thousand dollars, right? The other thing that was really unique about that house too, because it was so small. When you have a smaller house, I love how you fact you're talking about a three thousand square foot house being so small. That's when okay. When go you on. talk in Southeast that is probably one of the for a brand it. new build. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty smaller. tiny, right? Yeah. But because it was smaller, right, that um, 
when you start adding a lot of doors, right, it starts, it really starts chopping up the house. So all the, like the closets in the front, the powder room and everything, even the doors, not even pocket doors. They were, it, it was a pocket door, but they were completely like seamless. So it was like a cube in, um, all, like that was cladded and skinned in a really nice kind of millwork detail, like a wood detail. Oh, so and, it's almost like the walls were moving. Yes. Right. Which was really cool because when you walked in, you had these seamless looking walls and it wasn't all these doors. Um, and then we did a stone wall feature inside okay. the house. That so was it, actually it, it sounds like at that, at that state, uh, at the, sorry, that segment of the market, it sounds like spending more money on really finishing the inside of the house is getting you more bang for the buck than old school. Because I think the old school was more like big lot, big house. Yeah. Where now it's more like, Obviously, big lot, big house is going to apply to a whole bunch of people, but it's really enhancing the living inside the house. Mm -hmm. That's what you're saying, yeah. basically. Yeah, 100%. So the lifestyle that the house is bringing to the buyer mm -hmm. is really making a big difference in the sale. Correct. So if, if I were to take that house and blow up that house in, on a bigger lot, we sold that at 2.8, but on a massive lot, 100, and I would have, let's say I built that at 5,000 square feet, that would have been a $6 million home. So right. if you see someone who's doing a build in a different area now struggling, I guess that's something you would be advising them to go in and do. Make sure there's some of these kind of features. Like what's the wow factor in the garage? What's the wow factor in the basement? Like give me some emotional response mm -hmm. in this house. Yeah. Okay. Home theater is still a thing or is that like not a thing anymore? I feel I'm, 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 I think that's very specific to a buyer. So what we try to do is, is basically, um, I would want the sauna. Like I would want the infrared sauna kind of thing. Steam room, I, steam so shower, that kind of stuff. You tell me this. So I, like I would, yoga stuff, you know, like yeah. fitness, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I don't, I wouldn't say a and designated a place for my espresso machine. Am I going to say something now? My espresso. No, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Just go ahead. We're here to hear you speak. You just go. You go. No, I know about your espresso machine. Go, right? go, go. What were you going to yeah. say? Um, you were saying, is it the theater a thing? Right. So I just to give you an answer. Um, I don't know if I would have a designated room now for theater. It depends. If I'm doing like a, you know, I got 6,000 square feet to work for on the first and second floor. I'm going to have a 3,000 square foot basement. I need to start using that space. So I probably would, right? Otherwise, it's just big open space and there's no value to it. But in a more a house that's going to be anywhere from, let's say, 2,500 square feet above grade all the way up to even almost 5,000. Um, I do think that having a multi-purpose room which is like an area that is a common area that the family can get together. So I call it more of a media room, right? So if you the place I'm in now, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, that's a nice setup now. So it's perfect because the theater, what's important about a theater is that you have the optimal room for audio, right? And lighting. And that sound is not traveling through the entire house. So we've come up with a concept of creating that, but still keeping it open so it looks like a big common area, rec area. Yeah, I love the door that you have in your area. And yeah. That sliding door, that, that's the biggest pocket door I've ever yeah. seen in my... Well, how long is that thing? I, think, like, I feel like it's like 15 feet. I, I think it's like 12 or 13 feet. Yeah, it's yeah. huge. Yeah. And, and again, it's the way it's finished, right? So a lot of people want to create all these crazy features. Like I literally just came from a consultation with the guy's building... He's probably about three point five to four million dollars in Burlington. That's the intended sale price, and he's worked with architects. Um, and he's literally at the framing stage right now, just putting in the windows. And we're going through it, and he's creating all these features like um, at the front of the house where he kind of did this reset thing. He was like, "I'm yeah, I'm thinking something here like with a waterfall feature and maybe with some rocks." And and then over here, I'm gonna like take this area and I'm gonna do like 
um, a, a wine cellar feature, but it's it's more of an architectural thing because it's not going to be temperature controlled. And all these things that he was discussing, they're all great. They're super expensive. But what they do is they acquire, or they require space, right? And when you're building a house, and now like a high-end luxury home could be as much as $850 a square foot. And if you're now just to create that little feature, you're like taking up a, a, a big chunk of square footage, you're, you're giving up very valuable space. So what I was su- suggesting to him was like, hey, try to think of what you're skinning the wall with, right? And how that can create an impact rather than an entire feature, right? So, and then we, and then we were talking like even where he was going to do that built-in kind of wine cellar thing that was going to be architectural, like with all his wine bottles, he already had a wine fridge. I'm like, that's overkill. So that whole area, we blew that out. And now similar to what you saw in one of our places in Rochester in the kitchen, there's like, it looks like it's part of the kitchen, but there's actually a secret kind of passageway door that leads into a separate pantry area. And that's where you have all your countertop appliances, another sink, your coffee makers, toasters, upper cabinets, beverage fridge, all that stuff gets hidden and away. And that is going to be a selling feature because that is actually functional. Totally. You're using that every day. Exactly. It's functional. And that. I so think about we, the water feature. I just think, am I going to have to change out the water? Does yeah. the water get dirty? Yeah. What's the maintenance on that? And Where's I, the motor so, access panels? Uh, true. Right. Uh, again, if, if I if I'm worried about cost and space, I'm not doing it. But if all of a sudden I'm talking six million, the six million dollar buyer is not worried about maintaining yeah, that water sure. feature, yeah, right? Yeah. So because we had a I'm couple worried of about maintaining the water. Yeah, I know, I know, You're breaking <laughs> down. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey, so, and you know what? I just want to be clear. We keep saying the name Rochester. We're not talking about Rochester, New York. We're talking about a street name yes. here in Ontario. That's right. Um, that that one's actually in Oakville. Um, Va- uh, vacations. I don't know when your next one is, mm-hmm. but you've done a good job over the years telling us or giving us vacation uh, tips. Do you remember when I found you in Dubrovnik? Yes. In Croatia when you were on a moped? I do. Uh, that was that was hilarious. But um, just for- I didn't think I was going to like Croatia. You thought you knew no, you were I didn't like think Croatia. so. I, you went to I kind of related it to you guys, so I was like, ah, yeah, probably yeah, not gonna they, like who this. are these people? <laughs> you went to the number one tourist attra- attraction, dude. I was that's really a nice impressed. little, you know, that place has gotten so busy that uh, this year, I, I believe it began last summer, they're starting to like throttle the cruise line stopping in there just because they can't get so many really? people into the it's a tiny little spot, yeah. right? Yeah. And you're jamming people. It was like this summer we were in uh, Portofino, Italy, I love that and too. and uh, um. Yeah, no, we were, what am I talking about, Portofino? We were in Positano, Italy, okay. on the Amalfi Coast. And we were, it was so jammed in there, like you couldn't even breathe. Yeah. Like you couldn't move. It was beautiful. I, I would go back. I loved it. Mm-hmm. But just when we went in the middle of summer was uh, was really tough. I'm just curious, any vacation tips? Because you gave us that great place in Jamaica that we like to go to. Yeah. Um, any vacation tips lately from you? You've been, you did a cruise recently, one yeah. of those big cruise lines. I'm a, still a Disney cruise fan, man. And uh, even though my kids are older, I would have enjoyed a Disney cruise way more than Because they're smaller line. ships and they, it's five-star service. I tell everyone, even if you're just adults, go on a Disney cruise yeah. line. So um, I love old people, right? Your cruise was full of old people? Oh, it was, I felt like I was in a senior's home. <laughs> it, it was. When did you go? What month? Uh, we went November, end of like, yeah, like okay, the third okay. week in November. So no one's going on vacation. Well, people are we, going on vacation, sorry, but it's not a high here's time. Here's the advice. If you're going to go where it's not during a normal break, right, where people are taking holidays, and then and on top of that, you extend it beyond a week. <laughs> so because we went for 12 days, just like shy of two weeks. 
no one's really taking time off work in a non-vacation type period for two weeks. And then when you go on a cruise, which cruise is already known to have a lot of seniors on it. So literally we showed up and we actually sailed out from New Jersey. So when we got to the port, New Jersey, and we're like literally getting in that area where you're embarking, <laughs> my kids are looking around. Because my kids, when I say my kids, so one's 19 and one's 24, you know, we're thinking we're going to be partying it up, right? Um, and literally we're looking around and they're like, Dad, like for real? Like, is there like... Are we being like... I don't know how you guys still partied up anyway. I go to sleep. No. I just want to go to bed. I'm. You know what? Maybe I'm a good fit for the seniors cruise. Uh, but uh, yeah, okay. So check the cruise line and check the uh, who's going on. Yeah, the I, again, the the, sh- the cruise line, the ship and the amenities were great. The destinations were great. But yeah, we pretty much spent all that money to be on the cruise ship only to be in our rooms watching Netflix. But it was great because we, we kind of bonded more together during that time. Still relaxing to get away. We're all running around here so crazy. Nice yeah, just to get away for it a was, few days. It was. Without and I know you're working hard. I mean, when you're here, you're working, yeah. right? So it's just tough to get away. Yeah. So if anyone wants to reach out to you, I don't know, and find you, is it, uh, they got to go to your Instagram feed. I think, are you still putting pictures of all the different houses and projects you're working yeah, on on that we feed? Do. You're we do. active on that feed still. Yeah. And then is the Austin work- still working with you on Absolutely, that Instagram feed? Yeah. And then we do a lot of stories and so showing the progress in some of these builds and rentals that we're doing. So uh, that's one channel. And then the other way is through our website. Um, so the Instagram feed is? Yeah. So if you're on Instagram, it's just at the Furtado group. So, and Furtado is spelled F-U-R-T-A-D-O. And um, if you're going to go on uh, our web our website, it's just um, thefurtadogroup.com. Thefurtadogroup.com on Instagram at thefurtadogroup. Your Instagram feed, Austin is so good at that yeah. stuff. Is yeah. he still doing stories on Instagram? I'm not even an Instagram guy, yeah. but the stuff he does on Instagram, is he still has the time to do the stories for you guys? We've done, a, we've kind of slowed down a little bit, and I think a part of it was the holidays, so we're going to pick that back up. But yeah, that's something he's super passionate about, and um, so we're going to continue to actually put more content out there. And if you don't know this, this is Austin Furtado, your older son, who's 24, 24 you just said, yeah. and he's working with, you guys are... He's, he's now been, I think, doing this for three years? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or at least two and a half, because I know that, you know how after two years, you got to do that extra course? That's right. He yeah. had had to do he it. He did that over. He's, so he's, almost, he's almost, I think he's three years old. He's such a good yeah. guy. He said he got another tattoo and the ink he didn't did. take. Oh man. That was I didn't brutal. even understand. I didn't have time to ask him what I don't get it. The ink didn't take. So he did like a whole tattoo on this bottom putter of his leg. And it was like over two days. One day I think was like 10 hours. The next day was seven hours. So his, his leg just started rejecting the ink because it was so swollen. But um, what happens now? So when it, when it heals up, he just goes back for touch-ups. It isn't. Okay. Yeah, it's probably him being overdramatic. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it, it, yeah, that's it, your dad. But it just didn't heal up quite the way it was supposed exactly, to. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. But, it, I mean, it looks great. You just got to go back and touch it up a little bit. Cool. Thank you, man. We'll do this again soon. Sounds good. Later. Bye. Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza. So hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Ruben Furtado. Really great guy. Obviously a good friend of mine. So sometimes we uh, battle back and forth. Um, We actually didn't do too badly there. We were pretty cordial. I don't think we really made fun of each other too bad. That was actually a very respectful chat between the both of us. Um, So uh, good guy. If you need to check him out, uh, he handed out his Instagram. You should definitely follow him on Instagram. Check out his website. And if you want any real estate information about investing in income properties, you can always go to rockstarinnercircle.com. Register for our class. Get free copies of uh, digital copies of our books get access to articles and videos and a whole bunch of reports that we're releasing get access to it all at rockstarinnercircle.com until next time your life your terms